RadioInfluence.com. thing that I never thought in a million years would happen. happen. The champion, the challenger, here we go! This is the MMA Report with Jason Floyd on Radio Influence. Welcome in to the Sunday, July 24th episode of the MMA Report Podcast. I am Jason Floyd, and this is the interview edition of the show, as I have got three fighter interviews here on this episode. You're going to hear from UFC lightweight Terrence McKinney, who is back inside the octagon here on August the 6th, UFC Vegas 59. I had a chance to catch up and talk to him about his upcoming matchup against Eric Gonzalez. Also, you're going to hear the conversation I had with Billy Golf, who's going to be a part of Next week's Dana White Contender Series. Of course, the Contender Series back in our lives starting this week as I'll be here for the next two months. I had a chance to talk to Billy, of course, the double champ there in CSMA about his matchup. And also, you're going to hear the conversation I had with UFC vet Terion Ware as he has recently come back to competition after a three-year layoff. He is going to be taking on fellow UFC veteran Albert Morales uh, for a regional title. So I had a chance to speak to him about that matchup coming up here in a couple weeks. That matchup coming up on August the 20th for Terion Ware. Of course, as always, appreciate you taking time out of your day to download and listen to this episode of the podcast. Of course, podcasts come out two times a week on Sunday, the interview edition. And of course, on Wednesday, it's myself and Daniel Gavon just uh, debating back on what's kind of going on in the world of MMA. But before we get into the interview portion of the show, I did want to talk a little bit about the Bellator event. That took place last Friday night there up in Tacoma, Washington. Of course, headlined by Jason Jackson getting a win against Douglas Lima, which, I mean, look, let's let's call it what it is. It was not the most exciting fight in the world. And after the fights were over, Scott Coker was basically asked about his thoughts. And literally, what Scott Coker said is exactly how I feel about it. You know, I mean, listen, I think that uh, he did what he had to do. You know, was it entertaining? I mean, I, I don't think it was, but he, you know, he, he, he took him down when he needed to. I don't think he wanted to strike with him anymore. You know, I think he felt Lima's power and he said, uh, I'm just going to take him down. And, and that's the thing with Lima is that, look, he, uh, that's, I think his Achilles heel is, you know, the ability to not stop the take, uh, stop the takedown. And so that's something that, uh, you know, hopefully he can get a grip on and, and come back strong, but um, that's going to be up to him. Absolutely agree with everything what Scott Coker said there in terms of what Jason Jackson did. I mean, look, was it entertaining fight? Absolutely not. I mean, look, and I understand there's there's going to be people that say, hey, this is mixed martial arts. And look, I, I love ground fighting, but that just it was not an entertaining fight to watch. I mean, unfortunately, uh, the rest of that, that Bellator card on Friday night was absolutely amazing. It was a great fight card, but just in it with the main event that was not exciting. And, and look, I don't blame Jason Jackson for going out there and doing what he did. He did exactly what he needed to do to walk away with the victory. So I'm not going to fault Jason Jackson for having the fighting style he had. I mean, it's it's one of those things of, you know, from the fighters aspect, I mean, look, you got to put yourself in the best position to succeed. But of course, as, as someone sitting on their couch watching the fights on Showtime, I mean, you wish uh, there would have been a little bit more uh, exciting matchup. But look, I, I get why Jason Jackson went the method that he went. And of course, now we'll kind of see how this welterweight division does play out. Scott Coker was asked about Yaroslav Amosov during the post-fight press conference, and he did say that they recently did put in all the paperwork for him to get a visa for him and his family to come to the United States. So, uh, you know, looking probably sometime later on this year when we see that interim title fight between Yaroslav Amosov and Logan Storley. And, you know, look, one of the things I've, I've talked about as I am a member of the Bellator fighter rankings, and, of course, uh, i got to put it, finish, uh, finalize my rankings here before tomorrow's deadline uh, to uh, to put them in there. And, I, and I've always said about this podcast that I do want to basically come out there and and be transparent about what my ranking system is. And uh, I'm going to talk about lightweight here in a moment, but we'll talk about welterweight because obviously 
the big win that Jason Jackson had here. So, you know, as I look at my rankings I have in front of me is uh, number two is Michael Pace for me. I think he's he's clearly the number two guy in this division right now. Then number three to me is Jason Jackson. Then number four, I have Andre Koreshkov, who, uh, you know, has not been the most active in terms of, of the belt or occasion. Five, I have Douglas Lima. Six, Neiman Gracie. Of course, Neiman Gracie has got that matchup uh, headline that August the 12th show, show against Gochi Yamauchi. Number seven, Sabah Hamasi. Number eight, I have as Lorenz Larkin. And, and obviously, Larkin had the uh, the no decision there, which, man, you want to talk about a SM, SMH moment of the card as just that the referee clearly did not want to make a decision on his own. He wanted uh, the commission kind of to make that call on there. And by the way, great commentary by John McCarthy explaining that whole situation. Uh, number nine, I have Derek Anderson. Number 10, I have Kyle Crutchmere. Um, you know, and, and you know, there are some guys that are not ranked that are very intriguing to me. You know, one of the guys and, and he won on the preliminary card and that is Roman Feraldo. I mean, that is a guy that to me, when you talk about 170 pounds, a really interesting matchup uh, to see who who they put him up against, of course, uh, you know, had him on the podcast last week, and he talked about the fact that there are multiple fighters under contract with Bellator that have turned him down. Now, speaking about that Bellator lightweight division, of course, uh, the lightweight division was on showcase this past uh, Friday night uh, with those two big matchups there, Tatik Musayev going out there and just destroying Sydney Outlaw in 27 seconds. Also, Usman Nurmagomedov gets a win against Chris Gonzalez. And of course, you know, after the fight was over, Usman called for a title matchup and Scott Coker was asked about that. Yeah, I think that... um Traditionally, what I like to do is go back and talk to everybody in the office and, and talk to the fight team and, and decide what we're going to do next. But I definitely think that's one of the ways we could go. And uh, timing will be an issue and, and when uh, uh, Pitbull will be ready to fight due to his injury. And so um, I think that would be an amazing fight. But you saw another, you know, killer lightweight here today. And uh, I think that uh, his name definitely has to be in the hat as well. You see the talent with Usman Nurmagomedov, but to me, when it comes to him fighting for a title matchup is I just would like to see him beat a top contender in the Bellator lightweight division because when you're talking about his wins in the Bellator lightweight division, none of those guys are in the top 10. Mike Hamill, May Moreau, Patrick Patella, and now Chris Gonzalez. None of those guys are our top 10 fighters. So to me, I would like to see him get a top matchup in the Bellator lightweight division. We'll see whether or not uh, that fight is going to happen. Uh, should note that Patricky Pitbull uh, did say that he is, uh, he's looking to return in November. Uh, he wants to take on tough Keith. Of course, they, you know, they've already fought once in rising with Patricky coming out in a losing effort in that one and to me like if I'm the Bellator matchmaker I'm Scott Coker I'm Mike Kogan and I'm looking at how do I matchmake the top of this division to me I would do Patricky and Tofik just because of the history that those two two, two guys have together and the way that uh, Masai went out there and just destroyed Sydney Outlaw in 24 seconds and then I would make a number one contender matchup between Alexander Shalby and Usman Nurmagomedov you know to me and when I was putting together my Bellator lightweight rankings which made it what was tough about this division is kind of where do you put Usman Nurmagomedov? I mean, clearly, you see how talented of a fighter this guy is. You know, to me, so the way I have it is I have uh, Tukhik Musayev as number one challenger, number two, Alexander Shalby, number three, Usman Nurmagomedov, number four, Sydney Outlaw, five, Brent Primus, six, Benson Henderson, seven, Islam Malidov, eight, Miles Jury, uh, nine, Adam Piccolotti, and and Godzi, who got a win on this card, coming in at number 10. But, uh, you know, obviously, yeah, I think Bellator really has done a tremendous job here at the lightweight division of what they've been able to do here with this division. They've done very well. By the way, something I, I will speak about in terms of the uh, Bellator rankings, and, and I noticed this on, on Friday night when I logged into the system, is the fact that now you only have nine total women featherweight fighters. So Chris Cyborg, and eight challengers and uh you know it's it's uh you know i know jessica borgo would have been one of the fighters that, that got removed from the other one i'm not sure i can't remember who the other one is uh but uh you know that that is something to pay attention to there and, and look and when there are uh 
negative things said about the Bellator lightweight rankings. Trust me, I I, I see them, I hear them. Um, by the way, a couple other notes from Scott Coker. Uh, he did mention Vadim Nemkov, Corey Anderson. It looks like potentially that fight is going to take place in November. Also, uh, he did notice, as I want to say he said they're going to do seven more events this year uh, to round out their calendar. Uh, towards the end of the, the press conference, he was asked about Fedor Milinenko and whether or not maybe his uh, retirement fight will be against Ryan Bader. I tell you, that's that's a fight that Fedor really wants. And uh, we've had that conversation. And this is, you know, his last fight in his contract. He, he told me he wants to retire. And, uh, you know, I haven't talked to Bader about it. Uh, but it's something, you know, it's hard to say no to Fedor. Let's put it that way, and and uh, we we'll definitely would consider it. But uh, it's it's definitely not ink, something that's inked or uh, you know eminent. But uh, we we'll definitely will have that conversation. You got to imagine if you're Ryan Bader, that's got to be a fight that very much intrigues you there uh, to defend the heavyweight title there with obviously Fedor uh, would be his retirement fight. I think the interesting part of that is where potentially could that fight take place at uh, in terms of, of that one. But uh, you got to think if you're Ryan Bader, that, that's a fight uh, that makes all the sense in the world. Also should note about uh, last Friday's Bellator card. Uh, Dalton Ross, man, what a great performance he had against Romario Cotton. Was able to, you know, we had him on the show last week. He he mentioned, he said, he goes, look, I still believe that Romario Cotton will try to challenge his wrestling, and he did an absolutely amazing job of stopping those takedowns, Romario Cotton, and, and did just and, and and just showed how much better of a striker he is than Romero Cotton. His striking just looked absolutely amazing here. Of course, uh, he's a main training partner, Johnny Evelyn, so that could be something down the road of, of what happens between those two guys. You know, you would still imagine that Edwin probably, uh, you know, has an immediate rematch against Gegard Mousasi. But, uh, you know, I would tell you, when I look at this Bellator middleweight division, obviously Dalton Ross, to me, has got to be the guy you got to be paying attention to. But also, I look at someone like an Aaron Jeffrey uh, as someone to pay attention to, of course, uh, Anatoly Tokov. I mean, man, if, if Gegard Mousasi is not getting an immediate rematch, uh, you got to imagine Anatoly is going to get the next title matchup there. But, you know, when you look at that Bellator two-card uh, two from... Um, 283 car first second ever i forgot uh which uh which bellator number event was but it was bellator 283 there but overall like even if like if you didn't catch the fight card and you want to go back and watch some fights i'll tell you man some great matchups on there uh the the, the golem and franklin fight man that was just a, a fun heavyweight matchup where uh, early on it looks like franklin's gonna take it and then he just got gassed i mean playing simple got gas and got submitted there uh in the third round of course you're gonna talk about usman talk about tofik i mean what they were able to do there in terms of that one of course you know we'll see what happens with douglas lima you know one of the things that as lima walked into the cage that, that the thing that really stuck out to me about him was the fact that he had a, an ankle wrap on and maybe that is why he was unable to make weight uh for that matchup there uh also got mentioned uh jaylon bates uh, goes out there gets a split decision win uh not the uh you know kind of showcase a uh, fight that i thought potentially that was going to be there also uh archie uh, colgan who opened up the preliminary card man he looked absolutely amazing and you see why people are so high on that kid man he went out there and just put on one hell of a performance and so but overall bellator uh 283 was an excellent fight card of course i'm sure myself and daniel will talk more about bellator 283 also ufc london on wednesday's podcast but let's get right into the interview edition of the show up first you're going to hear my conversation with terrence mckinney who talks about his matchup coming up here in uh just under two weeks from now as he's going to be taking on eric gonzalez there at ufc vegas 59 Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man that we're going to see here on August the 6th, UFC Vegas 59. Terrence, man, as always, man, I uh, appreciate time. It's uh, It's been a little bit of time since uh, we, we last talked here. So, uh, you know, we, we talked right after the fight with Drew. So what's been going on with you, man? Um, just really pushing myself in every aspect. Uh, just, just making sure... Um, I'm not taking two losses in a row. Uh, just, I got my strength and conditioning coach, Dylan Emery, now, and and you guys got to see the benefits of Saheed when he fought using Dylan Emery's cardio through the roof, and I feel the same way. This is the best I ever felt, and I'm excited to show the fans that. Okay, the day of Saeed's fight, I see you on Twitter talking about it. I'm sitting there going, God damn, if I lived in a state that had gambling, I would probably was just going to throw $100 on just because the way you were talking, I was like, He's convinced me. I need to play some money on Saeed. <laughs> I was trying to tell people they should have cashed in. 
<laughs> I mean, obviously, the two of you have been, been pushing each other. And, and it kind of made me think about with him being a 35 or you being a 55. Do, do you prefer to, to train with the, with guys that weigh less than you because maybe they can give you kind of more of a, a speed look? Yeah, exactly. And it makes me like a lot faster. And then when I'm going with these slow guys, I'm seeing everything. One of the things uh, you put on your Instagram, I mean, you've this is now going to be your 17th pro fight, and, and you talked about the fact, it, it was a longer post, but you, you talked about the fact of that you want to show why you're the hottest prospect in the lightweight division. Do you, do you still consider yourself a prospect, or do, you, or do you think you're a veteran at this point? Um, I think people consider me the real deal now, not like a prospect, because everyone knows like my ability, and they can see that I can hang with a guy that was ranked, so like, I consider my ups, myself up there with them. There was also another post you had where you said, August 6th, I'm back in Vegas, and I'm showing the world why I'm heading into a top 10 spot this year. Do you feel like people may be down on you? It, it, or, am I, or am I looking into this a little bit too much? No, nah, they down a little bit, but I, I love that, man. Like That's like they say, the best revenge is success, and, and we're going to keep showing them why, why, why I think I'm the best, and it's going to be shown. Why do you think people doubt you? Um, I think maybe because I look like 18 or something. <laughs> That's probably it. <laughs> and, I, I really and I really haven't been fighting that long. So. Look at 18. is not a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I just really don't look like dangerous. I'm not the buffest out there. So there's going to be a little doubt. Like you mentioned about working on your strength and conditioning. Is part of that about bulking up? Um, just a little bit and making sure that like I'm bigger when I go in the cage, um, just like leg strength wise. So I'm like, my legs not getting tired when I'm out there. Just, just make sure I can perform for 15 minutes or 25 if I need to. Like, is, is there at all concern to like, I mean, back in the day, I, I remember like being, playing basketball. There was always this, this thought of, man, don't put on too much muscle. You don't want to affect your shot, whatnot. But for you, do you feel like there is kind of a, a, a point of not putting on too much muscle? Yeah. So I just do ways I could throw around fairly easy because like you said, I don't want to get too big because then I don't have to go up weight class because. Everyone knows I'm not a fan of cutting weight. So if it got too crazy, just expect me to be fighting wall to ASAP. What's the worst part of weight cutting for you? Um, honestly, 455 is pretty easy. Is it more of just like that last like two two pounds you got to cut? It's that last like eight pounds is just always awful. I'm like, damn, it'd be nice to eat right now. Then I just have to work out the whole time. And then not eat the whole night after working out three times. So I see that's the worst part. The last last few days. Of course, you're a guy that you're not the you know the the big super gym. And and I know you, you shout out your coach Pablo Alonso uh, recently on Instagram. How would you describe Pablo as a coach? Um, he's just the realest in the game. Honestly, like like he's gonna keep it straight up with you, and and he's gonna hold you accountable, and he's not just gonna put me above everyone just because like I'm a superstar at the gym and that's why I have so much respect for him like I mean it, it, would you say he's your hardest critic or, or do you think you're still your hardest critic I'm definitely still my hardest critic for sure because I like to hold myself to a high standard like when you think about you know the the ceiling for you in the sport and like if the ceiling's a, on a scale of 1 to 10 is a 10 where, where do you think you're at right now for me, this is a three for me because, like I said, there's, when I reach 10, that's, I'm a two-division champion, and I said everything. I, I did everything I said I was going to do. In terms of, like, let's say you say you're at a three. What do you got to do to say you get to a five? Uh, for me, getting a five is cracking the rankings. I'll say we're, we're getting closer because then we got super fights, and then I really start taking the fights out that will lead me to a title shot. And of course you got this fight here against Eric Gonzalez. Uh, you talked, I know in every day you talked about his warrior spirit that he has of, you know, he's got to come in your face. Is that the thing that excites you the most about this fight? Yes. Cause now, now we can start doing something filthy. Now, like you saw when someone come at me, um, we got the fastest knockout in the, the lightweight division. So if he does that again, uh, it could be a early night. 
in, in terms of uh, you know, I guess the, the the term would be styling on your opponent. Do you kind of feel like stylistically that this is a great opportunity for you to, to yeah. style on him? This is a great opportunity for me to style style out for sure and make a statement. In, in terms of your expectations for the fight, what what like what do you expect to happen in this matchup? Um, I just expect a lot of excitement until it ends. You know. In terms of him probably trying to shoot and get me tired, that is not going to work because I've been wrestling and I've been running. I've been on a salt bike. So cardio will never be a factor again because once once lightning strikes one place, it's not going to do it again. That's just how I live by, you know. Fool me once, don't fool me twice. You know, I played myself uh, being prideful and not working as hard as I need to be, and I won't let that happen again. Like, I talk about perceptions versus realities. Do you feel like there is a perception of about your cardio that you just, you hate seeing people talk about? Yeah. Um, everyone thinks I got bad cardio. It's not my fault. Um, people can't handle the power. It just, when I touch the chin, they just, it's, it's over. Or if, if I get a nice submission, it's over. I don't, I don't give people second chances. You make one mistake. And we're attacking like a viper. Like, I mean, like it's that thing, like, you, you know, obviously you're a guy that you haven't spent a lot of time in the cage because you go in there, you get the win quickly. Like, is there like, is there a party that sits back and says like, guys, like, I'm, I don't get paid for 15 minutes of fighting. I, I get paid to get in there and get and get out as quick as possible. And and I be telling people, I was like, I don't want to fight tonight. I want I want to show that I'm the best martial artist in the world. I want this to look easy. Martial art is fluid. Like, if the guy's back and forth with you, then you can't be talking like you're that good. Man. I want I want people, I want, when I'm done with this, I want people to be like, yo, this dude was like a baby Mike Tyson. He struck fear in his division. Like, that's what I want. I don't want to be like, I don't want to be known for having a nice chin. I don't want to be known for taking the punch. I want to be known for just finishing fights. Like, who is this guy? This kid is dangerous. That's what I want to be known for. Do you consider the fight game easy? Uh, not at all. It's not. Um, if it was easy, everyone would be able to do it. So, What's the hardest part of the fight game for you? Training kept, honestly, trying to stay injury-free, but also have the intensity. That's going to push my cardio up. And, of course, everyone, we're going to see this fight here August 6th, UFC Vegas 59. Terrence, man, as always, uh, appreciate the time. Of course, uh, let me know anything fight on social media because you're very active on social media. And anything else you want to mention, man? Um, T-Rex155 on Instagram and and on Twitter and then T-Rex95 on TikTok. And shout-out to my coach, Pablo Alfonso and CJ Phillips and my strength and conditioning coach, Bill Nemery. And a big shout out to my family and the God. And that was my conversation with Terrence McKinney. I appreciate him coming on the show to talk about his matchup coming up here on August the 6th. That is UFC Vegas 59 as he is going to be taking on Eric Gonzalez. Of course, this is going to be the fight card that's going to be headlined by Tiago Santos and Jamal Hill. Also, the Ultimate Fighter finales will be on that card as well. Uh, just kind of looking ahead at that card, uh, you know, some of the matchups here, Vicente Luque versus Jeff Neal to me really is a fight that sticks out to me on this fight card. Uh, those two Two guys uh, should be an absolute banger between those two guys. Of course, that's going to be there on August the 6th. Of course, uh, before August 6th, one of the things we do have coming up is we have the Dana White's Contender Series. Of course, that kicks off this week here with uh, the season debut of Dana White's Contender Series. But uh, next week's Contender Series will uh, feature my next guest, Billy Goff, the double champion in CSMA. As I had a chance to catch up with him and talk about his matchup coming here next week on Dana White's Contender Series. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man that's going to be fighting on Dana White's Contender Series August the 2nd. Billy, uh, appreciate the time. Of course, uh, coming off uh, that the strap season, the, the double champ there uh, in CES. Like, let me talk to you about that a little bit. Obviously, moving up in weight and fighting for that. Like, was uh, there something about how that all transpired that maybe even surprised you, maybe in terms of maybe the weight aspect? The It was... It was definitely different. It was weird going like, and I've trained with him before. I knew he was strong. Like I've trained with other 85ers and they aren't as strong as he is. Um, and at first, like the striking wise, 
it wasn't too much. But when we started grappling and um, and he started hitting me from being on top of my back, I could feel it. I could feel the difference. Uh, and it wasn't too shocking because I kind of knew it was coming. But it was like, damn, this is this isn't fun. <laughs> Getting my shit kicked in. Like, like, what was your biggest takeaway from that? So, um, I so the, there's a few mistakes I made. I um, when I first took him down, um, I didn't do a great job retaining side control. Um, and there's a couple things I, I shouldn't have got, tried to go to mount as quickly as I did. I should have held side control, which I could have. I know I could have. Um, and then when we came up and we started scrambling. I would just be, I was, I, as I, when I watched it, I, um, I was being lazy and he took advantage of that and he won the scramble. And then when I was on the bottom getting hit, there's a couple things that I should have done to get myself out of the position that I could have done, but then it, so the biggest thing were small things. Like even though the size advantage, or, uh, the size disadvantage was there mm-hmm. and the weight disadvantage, like it was, that didn't inhibit the things I could have done and that there, like I can still see where I messed up and it would have been a, I wouldn't have gotten beat on as much as I did had I done the right things. Do you constantly go back and look at your old fights when you're preparing for like, say this matchup to where you're trying to put your, your mindset into your opponent's brain of kind of what they're seeing and, and, and what you need to, to correct. Um, sometimes I don't always do that. I, um, I go back and watch my fights constantly. Um, I watch them all the time trying to fix where I'm going. Like I watch, like, okay, I did this. I was off balance here. My foot was off a little there. My placement, um, I was open there. So I'm always trying to look for my own holes, trying to fix them. The, but I don't think too much about what my opponent would try to game plan against me. But I do here and there. It's just not all. Is that something maybe more earlier, earlier in your career you worried a little bit too much about your opponent? No, honestly, I think, um, I don't think I, I think I worry a little, uh, uh, too little sometimes. Sometimes I wonder if I should do more film. Like I don't watch my opponent's fights that much. Um, like I'll watch them here and there. Uh, and then after a little bit, once I get a good understanding of them, I kind of just stop watching it. And sometimes in my mind, I think like, like, oh, am I, do I really understand him? Did I watch his stuff enough? Like when you're watching film, is it is it more about just trying to get kind of the basics of what they do? Like, okay, this is a stance they come in, maybe they switch when when these things happen. Is that is that more of like what you're just trying to get like like that baseline knowledge of? Pretty much, like I want to understand, like okay, how do they fight? And I watch a couple fights, so I see like, all right, this is what happened. Let's watch a little later, see how much better you got in that amount of time. Um, see like if it changed, like your. Like if their cardio changed, if their mindset changed, like usually you can tell when you watch somebody whether or not they're a tough fighter. Um, and I also just try to get an understanding of how good they are. Like, and it's hard to say that, um, but like when you watch somebody, it's like, all right, they're this good and they have the capacity to be so good. Um, and you can compare it to yourself and it's like, all right, they're either close to me or they're not. Either I'm a lot better than them. Maybe they could be better than me. You never know. So it's, that's what I try to understand the most is like, all right, what level are they on? Like how good of a fighter, how experienced are they? Are they ready for, for me? How much has your mindset evolved? You know, say, I mean, even, even say you go back a year ago to where you're at now, I mean, is there been a, a drastic change of, of how you view the fight? Yes, for sure. At, like, every fight, it gets easier and easier. Like, um, mentally, like when you, when you train, like you go to practice and like, I don't want to go to practice. I'm tired of this stuff. So, but you have that drive in you that says, no, you're going to go do it anyways. You got to bust your ass and you got to go as hard as you would, even if you really wanted to. Um, and it's kind of that drive to just like pushing forward. And when it comes fight day, fight week, and you get those nerves that kind of carries through and it gets easier and easier as you have more fights and, at least that's what I found um, to the, the nerves don't rattle you as much. Do you think the nerves are going to be different this, for this fight than they have been for other fights? I don't know yet. I think um, this will be my first fight flying out somewhere to fight. Um, I don't see that messing with me. Usually most things don't mess with me. Um, the, like it's usually not the situation or the person or the event. Like I remember when I fought for Bellator for the first time, and it didn't really bother me. It didn't make me nervous that there was 10,000 people there. Um, I usually, I always get nervous about myself. I get nervous. Like 
is my cardio going to hold up? Is, am I going to quit? Am, uh, am I going to get hurt? Like, am I going to, like, is it going to make it, like, am I going to have to work around something? Cause I'm going to, am I going to break my hand and now I can't throw right hands. Um, so that's, I usually get more nervous about myself and my capabilities before I get nervous about the situation or other people. And you're taking on uh, Shaman here. Uh, in terms of your expectations for what he's going to bring you, is there something that you just as you as you continue? I, obviously, you're you're thinking about this fight all, all the time. But like, what are your expectations for the matchup? I expect him to. Like, I've got a. He's. I, I think he's going to go one of two ways. He's um. He's either going to want to come out. Uh, immediately wanting to take me down. Like immediately wanting to bring it to the ground, um, which I would be a little more surprised, uh, just because he's. It seems like he normally wants to strike, um, but even if he comes out wanting to strike, he's gonna. I've seen him want to shoot for takedowns off of not successfully striking, mm-hmm. and so he's gonna end up wanting to shoot anyways. In, in terms of, it, it, like you, you talk about there, like there's there's surprises in this game. Like was, was there a moment earlier earlier in your career where like you just had this expectation of a fight and then like something happened and you're like holy crap I never expected that to happen. Uh, not in the moment. Um, like, no, not not in the fight. Like there's things that happen that like okay I, d- I didn't see that going that way. Um, like I've had, when I lost I didn't think I was ever gonna lose. Um, when. Like I got out when like I just wasn't wrestling when I fought Cameron and I lost. Um, I, it wasn't so much a surprise. Like in the moment, uh, especially when you're in the fight, I don't. There's not a lot of emotion going mm-hmm. into it. Think about things with emotion. You kind of just everything's just all right. You're reacting and instincts. Um, so there's I've never really been surprised. Um, actually, hold on. There, when I was in my first Bellator fight, when I got I got dropped. And I remember not um, like not coming to, but realizing what I, what was going on when I was on the ground. That was kind of like, oh, okay, <laughs> I, I just got. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and obviously, there's going to be a lot of fans who are going to tune into this fight. That this may be their first time getting to see you, you know, and and getting to know about you. What would you want those fans to know about you? I want them to think that I'm one of the most exciting fighters they've seen. That I bring the fight every time that I'm tough and that this is someone to look for. This is someone that's going to contend for a title one day. How do you, is it a thin line of being an exciting fighter, but also making sure that you're putting yourself in the best position to succeed? Absolutely. Definitely. You, um, if you don't win, it doesn't matter. To but, a certain degree, situations. Yeah. Cause like, you know, you, you, you me coming from a football world, you know, coaches talk about like there's this, you know, what's a, what's the the best path to victory for a play, and it makes me think about from a fighting aspect of like, okay, yes, this is entertainment. We all know it's entertainment, but it's like also like you don't want to potentially, you know, be so aggressive that you're opening up things for your opponent that could, they could potentially take advantage of. Absolutely. Like, was there ever that moment of like you, 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 maybe it's in a training session. You're just like sitting there going, Oh man, I'm just being, I'm, I'm pushing that line too much. Actually in my, um, my fight against Boletto, I was pushing way too much and I was walking forward too much. I was being way too aggressive and my coaches had to call me off. And when he called me off, I started doing better striking wise. So yeah, there's definitely times where you're pushing way too much and you're being way too aggressive or you're the vice versa. Like sometimes you're just you're going down the wrong path. Switching it up. And of course you get to see your fight here August the second, Dana Weiss Contender Series. Of course, everyone can watch it live on ESPN Plus. Billy, as always, uh, appreciate the time and uh, let me know anything for you on social media. Anything else you want to mention, man? Huge thank you to my sponsors, Nami's Bakery, the Cardboard Kids, Bushetto Personal Training, Flats Tattoos. They've all been a huge help making my camp better. And if anybody else is looking for to sponsor me, uh, I'm always looking for more. And that was my conversation with Billy Goff, who's going to be a part of next week's Dana White Contender Series. Of course, this the season debut of uh, the Contender Series is on Tuesday night. Look forward to checking out those fights here on on Tuesday night. I always uh, love, you know, I, I love watching kind of the, the prospects coming up here. And Billy Goff, of course, uh, two division champions last fight as he stepped up. 
and won the middleweight title there against Justin Sumter, a guy out of the Northeast. We'll see how well he can do there on the Contender Series. And now let's move on to our final interview here on this edition of the MMA Report Podcast. And it's a guy that I've had a chance to have on the show multiple times in the past, and that is Terion, where, of course, we saw Terion there in the UFC. Last time we saw him there in the UFC was all the way back in 2018, and he returned to competition earlier this year where where he's a, one of four men that was in a four-man tournament at UNF, and now he's in the finals to take on former UFC fighter Albert Morales. I can't chance to catch up with Terry on where talk about his matchup here against Albert Morales. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man that's going to be fighting. As in, I guess, are we calling this trap season? Is that about the best way to call this, Terry on? That's always trap season, yes, sir. Uh, of course, uh, fighting Albert Morales. Uh, of course, everyone knows uh, Albert from his time in the UFC as well. But I, I feel like kind of like the, the storyline with you heading into this one is, you know, you were away for essentially three years. Like, like yeah. how do you describe those three years in, in terms of being a martial artist? Um, you know, I was still training. You know, the, the training wasn't obviously as hard as intense that you would for a training camp for a fight. Um, but I was still training, you know, helping helping guys out. Um, and I was trying to get fights myself, you know, just with the pandemic, you know, I, you know, a lot of people experience, you know, just, you know, promotions falling out, fights falling out and things like that. So I had two or three fights, you know, that, that were booked that ended up falling out. Um, and, and so I, I stayed in the gym, you know, still training. But, um, but then just, you know, focus on, you know, being a dad. My kids are getting older, you know, they're starting to do, you know, do things and, you know, having a, a chance to spend more time with them, you know, you know, during the lockdown was was uh was cool and um an eye-opening experience and, and getting a chance to do that and being away for so much of the years of training and so you know i enjoyed that that was cool but um i, I to say the least I'm, I'm excited to be back and 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 back in the cage and competing on a regular basis yeah you know i saw your, your post where you were talking about uh, you had some father's day's posts that you put out there and, and, and hearing you you talk there may kind of think about this like uh bruce aaron used to be the, the head coach of the Tampa buccaneers he was very big on telling his assistant coaches, hey, if there is a family event, your, your child has a basketball game, a recital, you go to it. You, you go to it. Like, is that, how, how do you find that balance in terms of obviously being there for, for your kids and everything that they're going through, but also you're preparing for, for a fight? Um, just the experience, man, you know, you know, like not every, you know, I, I can't say that I'm, that I'm perfect and I'm, that I'm always on top of it. Um, you know, so there's trials and tribulations, there's failures and things like that, but just learning from that. Um, uh, but having a great partner and a great wife, you know, and, 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 you know, she's super supportive and, uh, and she carried a lot of the load. Um, so getting a chance to like, you know, take up take upon that load and having the kids with me, um, you know, uh, be able to give back and, you know, give her some space and let her do that. You know, it, it's fun for me, but also, you know, it, it's fulfilling to be able to, to, you know, to give her a break as well too. But, you know, uh, all the credit to her, you know, and, and, and helping me holding me up and being my rock through all those years and, and trying to find that balance. But, you know, now like, you know, you know, she, you know, she's going to sign the kids up for something, you know, she's like, Hey, what's your schedule? What's your schedule going to be like? So then she can schedule around that. And so, you know, you know, if she has to schedule things on the weekend so that way I, I can, you know, see all the soccer practices and all the games, you know, she's been able to do that. And, and, um, and we've been able to find a balance you know, it's a busy week, but, um, but I enjoy it. And anyone who follows you on social media, see you and your wife, y'all, y'all have some fun on social media with, you know, some of these like, you know, kind of like, you know, like TikTok type videos, whatnot, like, uh, you know, like the one that I was just cracking up was, uh, where it was like your, the, the audio is what's the most expensive thing in your kitchen that you pay it over to her. Yeah. Yeah. We have, we have a good time, man. She's, she's, she's my best friend. And, um, um, you know, we've been together, uh, going on 15 years, about to have my 13 year, uh, wedding anniversary soon here in July. And so, um, you know, we have a good time. We, 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 we keep it fun and, and um, she has a good sense of humor and, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't ask for a better partner. It, and of course, uh, you've you've got this title fight coming up here at UNF two here on August the twentieth, uh, a, a four man tournament. Where of course, you you won. Albert won. Um, you know, heading into that into this tournament, was did you view it as a tournament or did you more view it as it's just it's a, it's two fights? I know I got to win two fights to win a title. Um, I mean, it's hard not to look at it as a tournament because obviously, you know, that's what they're calling it, and you're seeing it, and you're and and um. Uh, it's kind of refreshing though, because sometimes like when you, let's you have a fight lined up, you don't know what your next fight next fight is going to be. And so, you know, going into the first fight, you know, 
in the back of my head, you know, I know the other two guys are fighting. Um, I've seen them fight. I've trained with them before. So it's kind of having an idea kind of already in your mind, kind of already starting to think about, you know, you know, what's going to happen after, you know, but trying to stay in the moment of, you know, concentrating on the, the opponent that you have ahead of you and taking care of business first. And so that was the main thing is trying to, you know, is focus on taking care of business first, but at the, you know, at the end of the day, you, you can't help, but, you know, look at the other two guys and, 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 and knowing that, you know, one of those two guys are going to be a matchup for you. And so, you know, I, I looked at it as a tournament, but at the same time, it's just trying to take each fight individually as itself. How much had you trained with Albert in the past? Um, well, he, when he actually started his career, I was a little bit more established. So when he came over to our gym as an amateur, um, you know, we trained together for, for a couple of years. I've, I've cornered him for a fight or two. Um, he was always one of my main training partners, um, you know, just being in the same weight class and he would give me looks and I would give him looks and we would always help each other, you know, for fights. And then, you know, he left the gym eventually. And then, you know, he started training more at black house. Um, and I go over there at black house a lot as well too. You know, those guys have always opened their doors to me and been great. Um, so we've trained together a lot over the years, um, you know, as of recently, you know, we haven't trained together at, you know, as much. And so, you know, I know he's evolved and so have I, and it's different. And so, uh, while some things will be familiar and similar, there's going to be some, you know, some, I'm, I'm sure he's going to have some surprises as well, uh, as well as I'm going to have surprises during the fight. What's your expectations of what he's going to bring to you? Um, you know, like he, you know, Watching him fight, you know, you know, you see some guys, you know, they take a different approach depending on on their opponent. Uh, but with him, he's been very, uh, 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 I don't want to say predictable, but in terms of like how he how he likes to approach the fight, mm -hmm. he likes to come forward, he likes to throw hard, um, he's looking for the knockout. Um, you know, he's looking to put on a show for the crowd as well, too. That's, that's his thing. He plays to the crowd. Um, and, um, if there's an opportunity for it to go for takedowns and things like that, he will go. But for the most part, he likes to try to stand and bang. And, um, I think it's going to be a fun and, and exciting fight. And so that's what I'm expecting for him is to, to come out, try to put pressure, try to come out, stand and bang and go for the knockout. I, I was asked a, another fire, kind of the same general question the other day of in your training, how do you find that balance of obviously working on, your game plan with the, the offensive mindset, but also the, kind of that, that mindset of, okay, here's how I think Albert's going to try to attack me. Um, for me, in the beginning of my career, I, I did too much of that, of worrying about too much of what my opponent's going to do and trying to game plan for the things that they like to do in particular moves. And then you go into the fight, and you're like kind of waiting, waiting to see if they're going to do that and wait for the counter, and then it doesn't come. Um, so, you know, as a veteran in this game, I, I, I've learned now to just kind of focus on um, you know, continue to build my strengths, but also making my weaknesses now my strengths. And then just let my coaches worry about what my opponent's going to do. And so, and, and they have the game plan for the day, what we're going to work on for that day, what we're going to work on uh, when I have my rounds um, and how to approach it. And then uh, I just kind of let it go on autopilot. And, um, and then when I go into the fight, uh, just kind of find that flow. Um, and if things pop up and they arise, the things that we've worked on, great, I'm ready for it. Um, if not, I've worked on my game and I know what I'm going to do. In terms of uh, goals that you have set for yourself, what what is there something in particular that you're like, hey, man, over the next six months, 12 months, this is what I'm trying to accomplish? Um, yeah, I'm trying to be as active as possible. You know, I'm having that three-year, you know, layoff. You know, you, if you look at my career before the layoff, you know, I was, I was pretty active. You look at the beginning of my career, I was pretty active. Um, I find that I'm at my best when I'm, when I'm active and I'm, and I'm competing on a regular basis, you know, anywhere from three to five times a year. So that's the goal is, is trying to get, you know, three to five fights, you know, and continue to stay active. Um, you know, at my age, I'm, I, I realize I'm in the twilight of my career. Um, I don't feel like I'm slowing down. Um, I've, you know, I've been fortunate enough not to have any major injuries. I've never had to go under the knife. Um, you know, any broken bones that I've had, they've been very, very, you know, small little things, little hands, little feet, things here. Um, and so I still feel pretty good. And, um, you know, my goal is to, is to get back to a major promotion, you know, um, realistically, I don't, I don't know, you know, how that is. You know, I know particularly a lot of promotions don't you know, try to go after, you know, older fighters and things like that. Um, but um, at the end of the day, I, I, I love this sport. I enjoy it. I'm going to do it as much as I can. Um, and if uh, if those opportunities to get into a bigger show uh, arise, then um, that's what I'm looking for. If not, then I'm just looking to be able to compete at the highest level I can, um, you know, for, for as long as I can and continue to do it as, for as, as long as I wake up and I love it. What do you love the most about the sport? 
I'm just a competition. I'm a competitor. From the time, you know, that I was a kid, you know, my mom's always telling me uh, I knew you were going to do something um, competitive, whether, you know, it's sports or, you know, whether it's Wall Street or something. Like, I was I was always a competitive, you know, competitive person. So, um, with fighting, like, there's nothing more, there's no other sport like it. You know, it's it's you matching your, your wits one-on-one with another guy, training your body, you know, physically and mentally to go through, you know, an entire grind of a training camp and go over, go on there um, and, and get in the cage on, on fight night and to perform to your best abilities. And so uh, I just, just, there's no other high like it, getting your hand raised, but um, just enjoying the process of, of, of training um, and figuring out like, you know, your opponent, that puzzle, figuring out and going there and doing it. That's what I, that I love most about the sport. Like how would you explain that adrenaline? of being the guy in the cage to someone who's never been in there. They just, you know, they're, they're in, in front of their TV on a Saturday night or, or they're in front of their, their laptop. What like, how, how could you describe that? What that adrenaline is like? It's, it's really hard to explain. Like if you, if you don't experience it yourself, it's like, but I guess the, the best way I can explain it is whatever it is that you love to do the most and that you're competitive of, and it's a hard task and you, and then you finally get over it and you can you achieve what your what your what the goal that you set out, um, especially if it's a long it's a long term goal that, you know, that takes, you know, weeks and months, whatever the case may be training for. And you finally get it. Uh, that's that's the best way I can a, a, a equate to it. But um, I think if you've never experienced it, like it's it's really, really hard to describe. It's it's a high like no other. Um, um, and so. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the best way I can explain it. <laughs> Thinking of that competitive fire that you have, can you turn it off? Like when you're, you're at home playing games with the, with the, the family? Um, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I mean, like my, my son from the time that he's, he's three and started playing video games, I would never let him win. Um, I would, I would beat him, but now it's to the point where it's, it's lit a fire under him. He's competitive. And now it's to the point where, like, I don't even want to play video games with him anymore because I can't beat him. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you see that competitive in your son? Like, like, oh, he got that from me. Oh yeah, and he's, he might be worse than me. He, <laughs> he might be worse than me. He's so he, he's so bad with it. And, and um, but at the same time, it's also a good thing in helping him understand that also you know be a good sport about it as well too. And so he's learning that you know that balance of being a good sport, but also like kind of having that edge of like you know like I don't want this guy to get you know one over on me and things like that. Like you know he's inside when he's in soccer practice and his teammates like you know he's 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 competitive and he and he goes after it. Uh, but at the same time, trying to find that, you know, that balance of like, hey, man, be a good sport and things like that. And so, you know, that's fun, you know, guiding him and teaching him through that. And the same thing with my daughter. My daughter, you know, she, she might be even more competitive than competitive than both of us. Uh-huh. Uh, and um, trying to reel her in and keep her keep her grounded is probably harder than doing that with him. <laughs> that's awesome, Terry, man. As always, uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Of course, uh, let me know they can follow you out on social media. And of course, anything else you want to mention, man? Yeah, I mean, uh, thanks for having me. And, you know, again, Jason, it's always a pleasure coming on and, and, and uh, you know, uh, you know, the media guys, um, you know, putting us out there. You know, we work together at, in terms of, you know, you guys putting your things out there, but also helping us get our names out there. So I appreciate you having me on. Um, uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram, Flash underscore MMA, um, on Facebook, Terry on Flashware, um, on Twitter, Flash underscore MMA as well, too. Um, and then, um, you know, thank you to our sponsors, always ready meals, um, uh, just merch as well too. And, um, and my, um, uh, management companies, uh, Radium sports agency as well too, for always having my back and, um, and taking care of me as well. And that was my conversation with Terry on where I appreciate him coming on the podcast to talk about his title fight go up here in the main event of UNF number two, take it on former UFC fighter as well. Albert Morales. Of course, this is the finals of a four man tournament that started earlier on this year. Of course, uh, that fa- that matchup a couple months ago was Terry on first fight in nearly three years. Uh, great stuff there and appreciate him coming on the podcast. Also, uh, thank you to my other guests, Billy Goff and Terrence McKinney for coming on this edition of the MMA Report podcast. Of course, uh, all my interviews, uh, for the most part, I would say probably 99% of my interviews are done in video form, so you can check that those out over at the MMAReport.com. Also, on the MMA Report YouTube channel, of course, uh, if uh, you, you enjoy what you're hearing, if you leave a rating and review, that really does help me a lot as well. Of course, coming up on Wednesday's edition of the MMA Report podcast, myself and Daniel, we'll take a look back at what happened at Bellator 283. Also, UFC 
London. We'll then start looking ahead to UFC 277, which is on Saturday night, going to be headlined by the rematch between Juliana Velasquez and Amanda Nunez. By the way, the prelims for this uh, fight card, the, uh, the televised prelims, will be on ABC along with ESPN and ESPN Plus, of course, uh, along with the women's bantamweight title rematch, we've got the interim flyweight title matchup between Bram Moreno and Kai Cara France. Uh, Derek Lewis is on this card. Uh, Pantoja versus Alex Perez. That's the key matchup there at uh, the 125-pound division. You talk about key matchups, the opening fight of the pay-per-view is definitely a key matchup there at 205 pounds. Magomed and Kaliev taking on Anthony Smith. I know um, one of the I, I recently started listening to uh, Michael Bisming, Anthony Smith's podcast, a really good MMA podcast. I really enjoy it because, yeah, you know, they talk about the fight game, but they talk about a lot of other things just going on. Uh, you know, get offer a little comedy in, in your life. That's actually a really good podcast. If you haven't checked it out. But uh, I know Anthony Smith is, uh, you know, he he's a. Uh, He's take, been taken back by the betting odds on this one uh, as Anka Live is nearly approaching a five to one betting favorite in this one. Of course, uh, you got you know if he goes out there and and he can style on Anthony Smith, maybe he uh, even though Uria said he would like to uh, defend the title against Goldberg Sharon in a rematch, maybe Anka Live uh, jumps the window there. In terms of that one, uh, also this U2, UFC 277 card, uh, I'm looking forward to that Drew Dober, Drew Dober and, and Rafael Alves. Drew Dober, always a fun guy to watch fight there. But, I mean, look, it, it is all about the main event and the co-main event with those two title fights. And uh, I will tell you, I'm gonna, I'm actually going to go back and, and watch the first fight between Pena and Nunez. It, it's still kind of, in a way, a little surprising that a man Nunez is a 3-1 betting favorite in this one, but I, I still get it. I still get it. Why, exactly why that is. But, of course, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that coming up on Wednesday's edition of the podcast. Of course, if there's anything you ever want to hear me talk about on the podcast, uh, you can you know you hit me up on, on a wide range of uh, my Instagram DMs are open. So you can slide in my Instagram DM. That, that's at Jason underscore forward. Of course, same exact handle on Twitter. You can uh, hit me up there as well if you've got any questions or, uh, you know, maybe topics that you want myself or, or you know, on, on Sunday edition or on the Wednesday edition when it's myself. And Daniel Gavon, but appreciate everyone tuning in for this edition of the podcast. Of course, uh, new episodes come out every Sunday and Wednesday on your favorite podcasting platform and radioinfluence.com.